Oh, hello, Beauregard. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Happy bow. Happy bow day. Oh, oh, is it your birthday? Yes. Oh, happy birthday, Bo. Boxing day, and it's my birthday. That's right. It's fun how that works out. Is it? Yeah, it's one of the few things that makes me smile. Anyway, still doing this podcast thing. Uh, yep, yep, yes we are. I'll have to check it out sometime. Sure. All right. Anyway, happy Boxing Day. It's a big day for me. Oh, yeah? We, it's it's Bo's Day. Bo, Boxing, Boxing Day. It's my birthday. Yeah, I was born on Boxing Day. And I was found in a box, so it all works out. Oh, oh, I'm, wow. I'm, but isn't that fun? Isn't that fun how... The first letters of Boxing Day are the first letters of my name as well. Not the part about me being in a box. So how how exactly do you spell Beauregard? B O R E E E G U R U D E D. That's a that's an interesting interesting. Spelling. You don't believe me? I got my license. Oh, I do. I absolutely believe you. Anyway. It's nice. It's nice that it's my birthday. It makes me smile. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's one of the few things that makes me smile. Look at me smiling. I go around telling everyone it's <laughs> Bo's thing day. And everyone's like, what? And then uh, I smile to myself because they don't get it. Anyway, I'm selling old broken Christmas lights. Do you need any? You Think can use good. them for tying stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, keeping people out of doors, you can use them as, like, I don't know, beads. You're the creative one, not me. Uh, I think, I think I'm okay. Thank you, though. Take it all down. Christmas is over, but do not despair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hey, Jess. Yeah. I just bought all this broken Christmas tree lights from our friend <laughs> Bo. He was charging nice. by the pound. It's, oh, well, it's good to support local small businesses, I guess. Yeah. Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Good times. It's Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. So, are you excited? Where are you excited? Christmas is it finally Christmas is finally over. Who's excited that, about Christmas being over? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Christmas is over because it makes way for spring. Does it? Oh, that makes me a little less excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like I like the cold. I like the dourness. You do. I like. I like. You don't like it getting dark at like 4 p.m. But aside from Who that, does? you do. Yeah, vampires. you do like the other things. Well, I suppose 30 days that's a true. night vampires. A- They're the ones that like the early nights. Well, here we what are. What a specific vampire reference. <laughs> I've never even seen that movie. Oh. Maybe I've read a comic book, one of the comic books of it, but I don't remember. Anyway, Merry Christmas. How was your Christmas? How was your Christmas? Oh, it was so Because this is delightful. definitely being recorded on Boxing Day. <laughs> yes. 
So we can sum up it our entire Christmas experience. not being recorded early. Early. So that we can enjoy our Christmas. Have yourself a Merry Little Christmas even comes out. No, because we don't do that sort of thing. We no. always wait until the day a podcast is we supposed do. to be out. So then if we were to record podcasts early, we would be stuck in this awkward place of like, are we doing this right? Yeah. Well... <laughs> Uh, we have a guest this week. We have That's Alex. Right. From... I almost said, really? We do? Because <laughs> <laughs> we recorded that. <laughs> now I'm going to tear down the wall. We recorded that even earlier. So it's all just a big old time machine thing. Oh, you know what? It all comes It all comes back to Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol starring Mr. Scrooge. Scrooge McDuck, the Christmas Carol, because there's time travel in that. And there's tons there's of time Scrooge travel. There's a Scrooge McDuck right here in front of me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, look at that. Jessica's got a Scrooge McDuck ornament on the table. Yeah. Well, that's the nice Scrooge McDuck. Isn't it kind of weird how, like, there's Scrooge McDuck? (laughs) Yeah. There's, like, nice Uncle Scrooge and, like, mean Uncle Scrooge. And then there's the mean Uncle Scrooge who's based on the Scrooge from the book. Now, my understanding, because I never, ever understood it, is Scrooge McDuck was created in whatever decade he was created in, specifically as a comic book character. Mm. In like the as a comic book character to go with the Donald Duck comic books of sure, the time, sure. And then eventually they took a lot of those stories and made the '80s Ducktales cartoon. And somewhere in there, they said, "Oh, we're going to do a Christmas Carol starring all the Disney characters." Oh, we already have a version of Scrooge from the comic books, so we'll use him. That was very confusing. Why there was a Scrooge McDuck, but also a DuckTales duck. And there's, and technically, he was actually like a comic book character or something before. Are you looking up his history right now? Yeah. Uh, created in 1947 by Carl Barks for the Walt Disney Company. Appearing in Disney Comics, Scrooge is a Scottish-American anthropomorphic <laughs> peckin' duck. Like his nephew, Donald Duck, he has a yellow-orange bill, legs, and feet. As opposed to the ducks without legs and feet. He typically wears a red or blue frock coat top hat. All right, we get We know what he looks like. Uh, failing me, Wikipedia. Uh, but yeah, yeah he, named after Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. Uh, but Scrooge it, do- is an incredibly rich business magnate and self-proclaimed adventure capitalist whose dominant character traits are his wealth, frugality and tendency to seek more wealth through adventure (laughs) (laughs) that's good for the cv i i like to look up i like to collect more wealth through adventure (laughs) he is portrayed as an oil tycoon businessman industrialist and owner of the large mining concerns and many (laughs) the largest mining concerns and many factories to operate different activities getting very specifically into his portfolio his fictional portfolio well that's just the big reveal to me later on when the internet existed and i can actually get these things straight to realize that scrooge mcduck started as a comic book character for offshoot media of disney yeah in 1952 he was given his own comic book series called uncle scrooge which still runs to this day but it's so funny because in so many of our like main popular series out there whether you know they're kid series and cartoons or you know things like the muppets or things that are more meant for families and teens like star wars and marvel comics and stuff Mm -hmm. 
Well, Marvel Comics doesn't count because that starts with comics. But what I'm trying to say is, like, tie-in comics for television and movies will create characters, and then eventually those characters are just shuffled off to obscurity. Right. Scrooge McDuck was invented as a Disney comic book character and has had a legacy well beyond just being a a tie-in comic book character for Disney. I'm sure Disney comics are filled with hundreds of... Of characters that were probably cool in their comic books, but are completely obscure now. But Scrooge McDuck went on, and it makes sense. They called him Scrooge McDuck because he was a rich duck, and they took his name from A Christmas Carol. And then they, like, reverse-engineered him to be the Disney Scrooge for their telling of A Christmas Carol with all the classic animation characters. And that's his big moment in the spotlight because he started as a comic book character and then he's in like and like these big official movies with Disney and then ultimately DuckTales kind of like dovetails <laughs> from the success of those comic books. I think the I think the I think the Disney comic books and the way that those captured the imagination of people of kids at the time in the 40s and 50s and 60s that's pretty downplayed in the history of Disney now but i think disney comic books if you look into it were actually like a major player that kept disney in the consciousness and kind of built build it especially when there was no disney channel and you couldn't just right. go see a new disney movie every week i think the disney comics really are what kept disney and kind of like gave it the life and the lifeblood it needed to get through those decades into the world of television yeah, McDuck was initially characterized as a greedy miser and anti-hero as Charles Dickens' original Scrooge was. But in later appearances, he has often been portrayed as a thrifty hero, adventurer, and explorer. He was originally created by Barks as an antagonist for Donald Duck, first appearing in the 1947 four-color story, Christmas on Bear Mountain, number oh. 178. However, McDuck's popularity grew so large that he became a major figure of the Donald Duck universe. In 1952, he was given his own comic books series which still runs to this day Mm -hmm. super interesting yeah and uh what year was the disney christmas carol i gotta look that up i don't even remember how we got here (laughs) i don't remember either it'll be interesting to listen back to the (laughs) to the edit and figure out where we got here i know we were talking about boxing day in general and how was your christmas and time travel and how we're and how this episode's all recorded out of order and oh, and I talked about Christmas Carol has time travel in it, and then I ended up talking about Scrooge McDuck. Nineteen eighty three, because of Mister Scrooge. Disney Christmas Carol Mickey film. Because if you put in Disney's A Christmas Carol, it comes up with the two thousand nine right. one with I don't know was that Jim Carrey I think, yeah, Jim Carrey, Gary Oldman, Colin Firth, Bob Hoskins. Wow, lots of people in here. Lots of folks. Robin Wright's in here. And then Ducktales doesn't start until nineteen eighty seven. And DuckTales, I think, is more specifically like an 80s representation of those 40s, 50s, and 60s comic books that captured the imagination of probably the Disney executives who were now in place in the 80s. Anyway, that's the history of Scrooge McDuck, so thanks for coming to our DuckTales Disney podcast, (laughs) our Scrooge McDuck-specific podcast. Well, we do have one voicemail, even though Christmas is over. Pulling back the curtain, we're recording this before Christmas, so here's a message from one of our longtime listeners for Christmas. Hey guys, it's me, David. Your old pal David. I haven't called in a while because I've been super busy. 
but I just wanted to try and make the episode this week to greet everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. Hope you all have a good one. And I'll try to call back before the new year. All right. Uh, enjoy the show. Bye. Well, now we're all out of sorts. Now we're all the time travel is just ripping <laughs> Thank you, the David. Got to catch because- them all. <laughs> David got to catch us a week earlier than he's calling because these episodes are well. To be fair, our Christmas episode has not even come out yet, so we just recorded it very early. (laughs) I'll have to let him know that it'll be in the Boxing Day episode. Anyway, that is what we're talking about this week, and we do have a guest. We have Alex from the Zeitgeist Lab pod. He's an online friend of mine from communities of other podcasts, (laughs) so... I listen. I listen to his podcast. He's, his podcast is fun. He and uh, Brian talk about like a different thing every season. They've we've played their commercial on the show, and they talked about community one season. They talked about drive through records, and they're talking about Canada, Canada, uh, CanCon, Can Canadian content. I just did a Patreon episode of theirs talking about, we were going to talk about Canadian ska specifically, but then the whole episode just became talking about ska overall and me getting to get out all my ska know it allism for real. Like I know I express a lot of it here, but I just like, I let it all out over there and they were actually like interested to hear what I had to say. Unlike you who are like, Oh, are, are you again? talking to the listeners or me specifically? I was talking to you, Jessica, but I also, I guess the we listeners. are married. I hear it every day. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that that will be coming up. He uh, requested to be on this episode. He's been requesting to be in the episode. So I guess we could just get into Boxing Day. Let's do it. Let's talk about the song. So, uh, depressing song, sad song. <laughs> and I think everyone knows this. Slower songs, traditionally a skip from us. But also because this is so much later in the album. And, you know, it, it actually ties back in. We were talking about it on the last episode on We Wish You a Merry Christmas and the sequencing of this album and how this makes sense to be coming in so late in the album. But then I I think everybody kind of understands the idea that sometimes the songs later in the album aren't necessarily the songs you listen to a lot. And in this case, not only do I not get this far into the album all the time to Boxing Day, but then I'm adverse to hearing this song a lot of the times because it's still Christmas because you're listening right. to this album during <laughs> Christmas time and you don't want to it's like it's like having to it's like having a parent come up to you or a friend of a parent come up to you and be like, "Oh, it's summertime, but you'll be back to school soon, huh?" <laughs> you're like, "Oh my god, no. You you can't do that." So it's like, yeah, I don't want to focus on a song that's about Christmas ending right. while it's Christmas season, but I guess this song does have that perfect tie-in when Christmas is actually over. And it's kind of like... It should have... See, now, the album should have actually opened with In Like a Lion, Always Winter, because they're talking about how it's always winter but never Christmas. So clearly it's not Christmas yet. And then you go through the Christmas holiday season, and then you have to end with Boxing Day, because now you do Old Lang Syne and then Boxing Day. Or no, you do Boxing Day, then Old Lang Syne. Sorry. Which I think that, that that's what they do yeah. on this album. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess Good King W, Wentzel Wentzel Floss. <laughs> Wentzel Floss. You, you maybe got to put that somewhere in the middle as a joke, even though I think the intention is it's kind of like a bonus track. It's a jokey joke for the end of the album. But yeah, I would be curious about anyone else's feelings on this song because it's a beautiful song. It's really good. But on this album, when you're like, it's Christmas time, throw on Let It Snow Baby, Let It Rain, Dear. And then this song comes up, I'm like... 
but it's not. It's about Christmas being over and we're still having Christmas. And I would equate it to marketing for Halloween and Chris for seasonal movies for any like Halloween or Christmas movie. Those will typically come out a month before the holiday because the market research has shown that like Halloween, like the actual Halloween series, the actual literal Michael Myers Halloween movies, those don't come out on Halloween because that would destroy their box office because then everyone would only go see it that week and then immediately not see it the next week. So they released the Halloween movies in August. So they're still playing in the theater come October. Sure. I think maybe these the, the two most recent ones they played like in early August or something mm-hmm. in September. Yeah. So similar thing with Boxing Day. I feel like there's a very thin specific period in which this song is easily <laughs> well enjoyed. I don't know, but um, that is not absolutely not to criticize the content of the song or the melody or the or the the musical feeling. It's yeah, just a I've actually of the been really feeling. enjoying this song okay. as we've been diving into it uh, this past week. Damien Gerardo vibes or Gerardo. I really don't know how to say his name. We've seen him live at the Troubadour, but in no interviews does anyone like ever say his last name. So I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> I just it. Think it's Gerardo. I don't know. <laughs> it's so yeah. It's and it's funny that you said that because I know I've said this a bunch this year about Tyson's influences by from David Bazan and Pedro the Lion. But I think this song, again, has those influences. Whereas, like, I Hate Christmas Parties has, like, a little bit of Page of the Lion, but mostly Ben Folds. I feel like this song has a lot of Page of the Lion and maybe, yeah, a little bit of Damien Gerardo. And those are artists that, like, are, I don't know if they're tied in actual, in, like, actual sense, like, if they if they know each other well or whatever. But I feel like fans of Damien Gerardo and Page of the Lion definitely know each other. And I think Damien Gerardo is like... He's so- like a Seattle guy. Yeah, he's, he's like a Seattle, Seattle guy. guy yeah. And I think he's been associated at times with bands from Tooth and Nail. Mm. Like he's been friend- he's been friends with MXPX and stuff. And he was a punk guy. Originally, he was in punk bands. So I think he's been close with a lot of Tooth and Nail bands. So it's not a big jump. I just don't know of any specific like factual ties between David Bazan and Damien Gerardo. But... Fans of both their music are definitely fans of both their music. This song, though, and this time I'm bringing evidence about the Page of the Lion influence on this song, which I'll get to in a minute. But yeah, this is... And again, I feel like this is probably an earthquake song. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of my notes is like, is this an earthquake song? Because it does not feel Reliant K, mm-hmm. but it does feel like sort of like an I Hate Christmas Party is like earthquakes side project sort of sort of thing. Right. But it does give me a little bit of forget and not slow down vibes. Okay, yeah. A little bit, you know, just uh, something about the 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 way that the lyrics are structured and sort of the depth to them. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know what? I didn't think about that when we talked about the perceivable timeline of the earthquakes as a project. Because my theory now that we talked about on I Hate Christmas Parties... I mean, I think it's been a project since the beginning. It has. That's what we talked about during the I Hate Christmas Parties episode. But when we talked about... I didn't think about the forget and not slow down angle of this. So to summarize what I basically said on the I Hate Christmas Parties episode is it was a project from the beginning. The first time I ever heard about it was in 2002 
when I would just talk to Reliant K. They mentioned he's got this, you know, Tyson's got this project called Tyson and the Tyson and the Earthquakes. I'm like, oh, years and years before any material from that ever surfaced. But um, now the timeline I imagine is like. Ryan K was like, well, this is our punk band. I'm summing up what I talked about in the I Hate Christmas Parties episode. I'm saying it all again. but oh. It's been a few weeks. Yeah. So Ryan K is like, well, this is our fun little punk band. This is our little youth group band. This is like our pop punk, skate punk, fun pop rock band. But over here, I've got this project I'm working on with Mark Lee Townsend called Matisse and the Earthquakes. And like Pedro the Lion... Which you hear Page of the Lion, you think, oh, that must be a band, but it's really just the one guy. Or like Dashboard Confessional, you hear the name Dashboard Confessional, but it's really just the one guy, Chris Carava. So I think in this case, Matt Thiessen and Earthquakes, I don't think there was specifically meant to be an Earthquakes. I think in a lot of cases, the quote-unquote Earthquakes were just Mark Lee Townsend and probably members of Reliant K when they would just record songs and right. demos that we've probably never heard. So... It's by the time of the Johns being in the band and Reliant K blowing up big time that Reliant K reached a level that I think Matt Thiessen was hoping the Earthquakes, his more serious band, would actually reach. But once all the energy had to go into Reliant K, because now they're on Capitol Records, that's why I think there's that specific Earthquake song, uh, Faking My Own Suicide, ends up on that album. Because he's like, well, I don't Mm -hmm. need to hold this material back for my quote-unquote serious project anymore. Reliant K has become my serious band. So I didn't think about that in terms of Forget Not Slow Down being the next album after uh, Earthquakes was probably really pushed to the side. There's probably some Earthquakes-type material or, at the very least, like, you know, chords and patterns and things that he was working on for Earthquakes material in there. So it kind of makes sense that this, which I, I just feel like, and I have no proof for this one at all, I just feel like this started as an Earthquake song. And to say it feels like a Forget Not Slow Down song... That makes total sense to me now, because this is only two years before Forget Not Slow Down. I just have to look up Dashboard Confessional, because I'm not super familiar, and I have to say, I get Dashboard Confessional and Hoobastank confused a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, you know, they do that I'm not a perfect person song. That's no, Dashboard Confessional, right? No, nope, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Wow, that's 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 beautiful. That's beautiful. That I want that. I want to be able to mix up Hoobastank and Dashboard Confessional. That's so funny. Just looked it up. I was like, oh, not not that guy. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I know Vindicated because it was on like the Spider Man soundtrack, but that's about it. Right. Oh, can we talk Spider Man spoilers now? Oh snap! It's no. been long enough. Uh... <laughs> we don't need to. <laughs> We got um, we got a guest this week and stuff. That's right. So we got enough. We, we got the time filled out. My favorite part of this song is this one chord progression, which comes in early. So sometimes, if this, like I'm saying, if this song comes on and I don't really want to hear a song about Christmas being over when it's only like December 14th, you know, right. I'll just listen for this one chord progression, and I'm like, well, now I now the song's over to me, and it's this part. Oh no. Christmas, it makes way for spring. 
So that part, the no more lights, no more carol, that part, that raise up and then that lower down, I love that. And when that happens, I'm like, well, now the song's over. That's the best part of the song, that chord progression. It's funny that you say that because that part, it it's the same like chord progression or whatever as Come What May from Moulin Rouge. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So when you, <laughs> when you play that and you're like, oh, I love this part, I'm like... I will love you until my dying day. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure when it happens, but it's kind of happening now. Yeah. I love it. Boxing day. <laughs> Why do you always laugh when you're taking a sip? Why do I make you laugh when you're taking a sip? That's on you. Yeah, I see how this is a similar chord progression right here. So I wonder if there's a name for that sort of that sort of lift and that kind of thing. I'm sure there I'm sure it's something that exists in a lot of other songs. It's not a millennial, you know, like there's names for things like millennial whoop and like very specific ways in which notes are repeated in other songs i wonder if there's a name for that kind of chord progression right. and you kind of picked it up you 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 put the song on when it's really picking up there is kind of towards the end i believe or possibly in a reprise later there's also it's a little it kind of slows it down a little bit and i think you can hear it a little better nice you're sort of in the more <laughs> dramatic part of the song yeah. right now what were I you tried, saying i said this is a nice scene uh, this, this is a nice, nice song scene. this is a nice song <laughs> I tried to watch Moulin Rouge a couple years before I met Jessica, and I'm like, what the hell is this? No, thank you. Turned it off. I don't know. I didn't rent it. If I rented it, I would have forced myself to watch it, but it was on HBO or something. And then I met Jessica, and she's like, I love Moulin Rouge. Will you watch this movie with me? And that was a case where I didn't tear apart something you love, because once you get past that first 20 minutes... It kind of settles back in, and then these, and then like these scenes, and like especially come what may comes on, like you gotta feel it, and you actually start to understand the characters. But it's just that first twenty minutes is like, what is happening? (laughs) It's a real barrier. It's like our opening bits. It's a real barrier to get into that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Moulin Rouge. I saw Moulin Rouge in the theater when I was a kid, and I like did Christmas not movie. like it at oh, all. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, I hate this movie. And then years later, when I was in high school, it was playing on HBO, and I was homesick <laughs> from school one day. And I just was like flipping through when it came on HBO, and I was like, all right, I'll watch this. And I fell in love with it and was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I love this. That's nice. But I was really big into like Chicago and like movies like that around that time as well. Oh, so. yeah. Chicago Saturday in the park. <laughs> I think it was the 4th of July. That's my favorite. <laughs> I know you meant the musical. I'm messing with you. Well, to- I have a CNN article here on what Boxing Day is. Would, oh, you, okay. would you like well, me to go yeah, over that? Well, in one second. So I have like specific references to my constant claims that Pedro the Lion was an influence on like these specific songs we've been oh, talking cool. about Go recently. For it. Because I haven't actually listened to Pedro the Lion recently and I think we talked about Ever. it. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but like they were such a big influential band in the Christian scene and like I've talked about this memory but one time I went to see Relying K and I took my sister and her friends to see them in Boston and I'm talking to Hoops after the show and he's like are you going to the Pedro the Lion show? in like a couple hours at the other club and I'm like what 
there's a page of the, and you're gonna there's a page of the line show and you're gonna be there and I gotta take my sister home. <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> but anyway, I haven't listened to him in a long time, and I just realized like I try. I love I listened to him at the time because I was really big into like emo, like actually specifically like Midwest emo before the word emo got bastardized. And Page of the Lion was a band that would always come up in like blogs and lists and GeoCity pages of a band you have to check out if you're into emo as it was known in the late 90s. And I thought I really liked it. But just over the years, I was like, this is just too depressing for me. <laughs> so I actually enjoy it when I hear like a Matt Thiessen song that feels like it's influenced by David Bazan because then I get that David Bazan feeling. Sort with of, that nice Reliant K nice Hope. Reliant K <laughs> Hope. As there's a lot of David Bazan songs that do not give you a sense of hope. Mm. <laughs> but this song, you know, opens with, I, it, I assume it's Mark Lee Townsend that you can hear in the background telling him like, you know, on, in the studio. They have that sort of studio thing of where you hear the producer say mm-hmm. recording or something. And, and so here it is in Boxing Day, what you hear on the track. really hard unless you have headphones in like even if you're listening to our podcast over speakers like try to turn that up but you can hear who i assume is mark lean townsend saying you know recording or going or whatever i can't even hear right now in the room so there's one page of the lion album called the only reason i feel secure and it's a lot of that it's a lot of that it's a lot of like studio chatter and stuff (laughs) and it so I think like it's probably getting that same sense. There's a song called Big Trucks. This is probably one of my favorite Page of Lion songs. It's not depressing. And Reliant K has covered it live before. Big Trucks, is it about like monster truck rallies? No, it's about not getting mad at tractor trailers for going slow on the highway because they're doing their best. That's a Midwestern vibe if I've ever heard it. <laughs> <laughs> so... So this is the longer I lay here. Well, that already sounds depressing. <laughs> and this is just a song that I'm not saying that this is Matt Thiessen ripping off this song at all. I'm just saying this is, to me, I feel like this is probably a, a big influence in creating this song. Just like if you're, what, I don't know, a metal band and there's a metal band you like and you're like, let's write this kind of like a song like that band or you're a punk band and you're like, let's write a song like it's Black Flag or like it's whatever. I feel like that this was Matt Thiessen saying, let's write a Christmas song that kind of has a feeling from early Page of the Lion. And then I listen to this song and I'm like, this has the same kind of feel as the beginning of Boxing Day to me. Right? Not counting mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that weird like ticking? Yeah, that t- is that like a... I'm not sure what that is. Oops, sorry. I clicked another song. So but yeah, the, I, I see where you're coming from with that. Right. And, paid, and when I was listening to the It's Hard to Find a Friend album, I'm like, he does have a lot of influences and a lot of different things happening, like some more country stuff and some more pop rock. And like, there's so many. This album does have a lot of different things going on in it. But this is the classic sound of I Feel Like a Page of the Lion song. 
So when I talk about, because we're going to talk about it again with our guest when I talk about Page of the Lion, this is the sound I think of as core Page of the Lion. This like dun dun dun. This yeah, like gotcha. Very short strums of the guitar. Maybe I should I should check out Page of the Lion. Maybe you should, and then you'll love it because it's depressing and sad. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so weird. I'm like, oh, I hate the slow Christmas songs because they're depressing. And then I'm just like, give me like Lana Del Rey and Damien Gerardo. Maybe, maybe, maybe David Bazan is the Lana Del Rey of the oh. Christian scene of the time to you. I don't know. We'll find that out. Siri in the middle there just apologized. <laughs> well, you didn't hear it, but it went, I'm sorry, because I accidentally <laughs> clicked something. And, you know, I'm surprised that this song has never been recorded to have been played live. Nothing on YouTube hmm. and nothing on Setlist FM. So I'm not saying that... Maybe Tyson... they haven't played any shows on Boxing Day. <laughs> Maybe not. You think if they did, like, a New Year's show or something, they could play Boxing Day? You know what I mean? Like, you just... Yeah, As sure. long as you're in that... Oh, yeah, Doug Benson calls it the Christmas taint. <laughs> no, the holiday taint. Sure, sure. Because it taint Christmas and it taint New Year's. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> so, Reliant K should do a holiday taint tour. <laughs> and they should play Boxing Day. But I couldn't find proof that they've ever played it live. Or that even Tyson has ever played it live. So, over on CNN, the Boxing Day questions you've probably Googled by Kendall Trammell, CNN... Saturday, December 26th, 2020. Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. It has absolutely nothing to do with your empty gift boxes. Here's what you need to know about the holiday. What is the point of Boxing Day? It's a day to give to the less fortunate. Way back during the Victorian era in Britain, servants were allowed time off to visit their families on December 26th. Oh, man, they couldn't even go on Christmas. (laughs) Since they had to work for their employers' Christmas Day celebrations, it became such a standard practice that in 1871, a new holiday was born. It coincides with St. Stephen's Day, a Christian holiday with similar themes of charity. When Boxing Day falls on Saturday or Sunday, it's observed on the following Monday. So why call it Boxing Day? There's a couple of theories. Some say it stems from when the wealthy would give boxes filled with small gifts, money, and Christmas leftovers to their employees to recognize their service. Another theory is that churches put out boxes for people to give money to the poor, and the money was distributed the day after Christmas. All I can think about is the scene from the animated um, uh, Robin Hood oh, with yeah. the fox, with the, you know, with the ums for the poor stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you celebrate Boxing Day? Wherever you'd like, but it's really recognized in Great Britain and former British colonies like Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. I'm American. Can I still celebrate? Of course. Join the fun. And no one can stop you from being charitable. Is that cultural appropriation? (laughs) Uh, What do you do on Boxing Day? Some people like to go fox hunting or or horse riding or horse racing. Uh, And St. Stephen was the patron saint of horses, though fox hunting was banned in 2004. Oh, good. People still turn out regularly for the sport. Uh, For others, the day after Christmas is like the Friday after Thanksgiving in the United States, the ultimate bargain shopping extravaganza. Of course, these are things people do when they're not in the middle of a pandemic. It's best this year to stay safe and socially distant. And there you have a picture of, oh my goodness, so many dogs uh, going fox hunting. Oh, wow. 
So they go yeah. fox hunting, but I don't know. Do they not kill the foxes? Do they let the dogs kill the foxes? I'm very confused if it was outlawed in 2004, but they still do it. They use paintball guns. Oh, no. That's upsetting. <laughs> foxes would still be upset. Well, yeah, my understanding of Boxing Day was it was always like you box up your Christmas decorations. Interesting that they have this Boxing Day song and Good King Wenceslas because that's also like a carol for St. Stephen's Day. Oh, okay. Oh, then that makes the, the track list at this end of the CD make even more sense. I'm familiar with St. Wenceslas because he is the patron saint of the Czech Republic. And right. my mom's whole family is Czech. My mom's completely Czech. Oh, so okay. that's why I am sort of familiar with him. Okay. Well, I didn't realize when we were talking about I Hate Christmas Parties and this these last four or five songs that that was the deal with King Wenceslas, that he's this, it's tied into this St. Nicholas Day? What no, St. Stephen's Day. St. Nicholas Day. Day is on the sixth, Oh yeah, the ninth, upon the Feast of Stephen's, that song. Probably in case you do that one. Okay, that makes sense, because I never understood what the Feast of Stephen's was. Yeah, so King Wenceslas was uh, like posthumously declared king, and he was born in Prague, Bohemia. Oh, okay, 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 okay. We'll hear all about that when we do that song. Indeed. Spoiler warning. <laughs> so it, Spoiler warning for a man who died in 935 AD. Exactly. So I always, my understanding of Boxing Day and any time I'd ever heard it was any sort of like, uh, any country... That was an English colony, country that's sort of tied to the queen. Right. I was always my understanding that they called it Boxing Day because that's the day that you box up the Christmas decorations. But then I always thought like, okay, but like, why are you taking your Christmas decorations down the day after Christmas? Especially here in America. Talk about being a Scrooge. Yeah, where people leave their Christmas decorations up until March or, or, <laughs> or August. <laughs> or just never take it's them like down. January. Yeah. You know, after New Year's, it's, it's appropriate. And then we, you know, figured out that the 12 days of Christmas... I think we're actually we're going to talk about all this in the guest segment. Yep. But the 12 days of Christmas extend Christmas. And then there's like Three Kings Day, which is in January... So it's like, you know, Christmas is not meant to end on Boxing Day, really. Like the, all these other, all these other You're supposed traditions to have extended to it. Yeah. Uh, the and then we haven't even talked about the lyrics that can tie into the lyrics, but how they, how Tyson is saying, like, we all came together for this one day to show that the world can love and rally around the birth of Jesus Christ and everything He stands for, and we prove that it's possible. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful sentiment, absolutely. But to tie it into Boxing Day and say, well, now it's over and can't we keep going? Well, yes, we can because we have the 12 Days of Christmas still coming up. So we talk about the lyrics more uh, later on in the episode. But, yeah, it's they're, they're really great lyrics. It's It's beautiful, and I've never given them, like, a full their full due personally because this is a song that i skip not because i'm like not just because it's a slow song but because i'm like i don't want to hear this sentiment right now (laughs) right uh and then of course there's the blink 182 song boxing day which also we'll talk about with our guest and jessica did not like that song i was like check this out (laughs) and she's like what is this 
What did you say? Did you think it sounded like Hoobastank? I know, I did not. Or did you think it sounded like Dashboard Confessional? I I just said the song sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I believe those were my exact words. Apparently the band Car Seat Headrest also has a song called Boxing Day, but Oh, of course, you Car go Seat Headrest. <laughs> My favorite. I always get them confused with 21 Pilots. <laughs> sure. So what have you got for the deep dive? Well, over on the force.net Jedi Council forums, 40 great Christmas songs you've never heard. Okay. So the Jedi, what is it? It's a Jedi Christmas song. Is it Life Day? <laughs> is it about Life Day? Or did they just so, buy a Star Wars fan site and then decided to make it their generic site? F- formerly being a former uh, Star Wars fan back in the day, uh, I am familiar with the Force.net. Uh, I did not ever uh, troll the forums over at the uh, Jedi Council forums, but... 40 great songs you've never heard before. Reliant K Boxing Day. Uh, Lighten up Hopkins. Happy New Year. Someone recently asked in this thread, OBN, I believe, about Christmas songs that were both good and not among the lengthy list of songs that get played, that get beaten to death with radio play, store play, etc. every year. I'm an aficionado on Christmas music, which I think is unfairly marginalized. There's a lot of really crappy Christmas music, but there's also a lot of really... Crappy rock music, country music, blues music, pop, etc. Like any other genre, Christmas music is made up of disproportionate crap if you dig through it. You'll <sighs> find some astonishingly great songs, and that's what this thread is for. Uh, and then they just go on to say that they'll be posting like a song a day and stuff like that. And did they list Relying K in there? They did. Otherwise, I'd be like, how did you find this? <laughs> It's it's in the title, so it's in the oh, okay. it's in the the forum title post. So I have yet to find which day they posted Boxing Day on, <laughs> okay. but it is on there. <laughs> and this is a site that uh, these posts are from back in December of 2011, but it's not being well maintained very well anymore. There's some characters that they can't read. I won't do the hashtag ampersand eight two two one nine semicolon thing again, but there's a little bit of that going on here. Uh, then we have TikToks, and we have twenty TikToks this week. Oh, <laughs> well, let's see what's the most interesting because last last time with we wish you a merry Christmas, there were, it was just a lot of like people doing their nails and like showing their Christmas decorations. And I, I like the TikToks where they do some creative editing or there's a surprise at the end. What have we got? Uh, here we've got Sherbettle Mons with a lady that's with a shirt that says Jesus is the reason for the season. And uh-huh. she's taking her, she's in a, she's in a black void and she's taking Christmas, <laughs> her or, Christmas ornaments down, I guess. Hashtag mama and rebels fam. Hashtag will all, will all our might with all our might. Sorry. Hashtag. I love you more team. Hashtag booze babes. Hashtag small channel champions. Hashtag Reliant K. Hashtag pretty but poisonous. Booze hashtag babes. tiger That's be the wolf. Hashtag to our Patreon episodes. 
recently, yeah. <laughs> then Boxing Day, give your wife a Roomba. I gave my wife a Roomba for Christmas. She, she loved, loved it. it. So I realized I could have a perfect marriage. I just have to buy robots to do all the things she wants me to do. <laughs> That's and he's from just at like, Jordan yeah. Darling, and he's just pouring himself a cup of coffee. Yep. And he just stands there and he's just like, yep, yep, yep. Happy hashtag Boxing Day, hashtag Team Best B, hashtag Marriage Humor, hashtag Dads of TikTok, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag Ampersand257. <laughs> then we have a man who looks like he's gotten beaten up over here. Oh, I forgot. I have to refresh the page because it wants me to log in and I can't do that. Here we go. At Killer Jones Official. Oh, and he's talking. So let's hear what he has to say. It's like a celebration day for boxers or something. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that before. I didn't know what it was. I, I, I thought it was like a celebration day for boxers or something. I didn't know, but th thanks for letting me know because, you know, it, it's uh, it's good to learn stuff. So, so he got a little oh, thing that says Boxing Day someone. is the day after Christmas in the UK or something like that. At Killer, Killer Joe, Jones Official. Killer Jones Official. Uh, hashtag Boxing Day, hashtag Killer Jones, hashtag Be Nice, hashtag So is he a boxer? His name's Killer he... Joe. and he, I'm he's, not sure if he's, he's actually a boxer like, or if he's a, like a, he's wearing, that's his stick. Yeah. Oh no, I guess he's actually a boxer. He has 1.1 oh, okay. million followers on here. So he's an anti-bullying boxer TikTok <laughs> man. Good nice. That's great. I wonder if he actually knew that song or just picked it because it was like maybe one. He probably saw the Blink song and he was like, well, this doesn't sound Christmas enough. <laughs> and this, he's like, what's this Reliant K? This sounds better. This sounds more appropriate. Uh, junk food and movie day. And I see a picture of a painted nail. Gosh, darn it. I already refreshed you. <laughs> junk food and movie day. So they're watching a movie. <laughs> what the heck? I don't even hear boxing I don't day. Food and movie day. How is that hash? There's, no, there's no there's song no in there. Song. It's just and someone's it's, glittery toe, and then it cuts to the movie on the TV screen, and that's which it. Which is like an uh, an older gentleman approaching another person, and I don't understand. Hashtag what, boxing yeah. day movie. Hashtag good. Hashtag love. It's on. Oh, is it? Just... Love. It's only the cinema, but we get it for free. Okay, is this like actually cinema. tagged with the song, or did you just find the hashtag? No, it's, it's, boxing it's tagged day. with the song. It says it's playing in the background along the bottom. Huh. Well, it's not there. Uh, we got lots of Boxing Day sales, letting you know that Boxing Day sales are happening. <laughs> of course. Uh. Then people are doing a duet thing, and it just says true love with this man oh. who got his wife the thing. So someone did a TikTok duet with the guy who got his wife the Roomba, and it just says true love. They just added an extra slide to the side that says true love. Nothing and else And it says to work it. smarter, not harder. Uh, people driving. Well, you're selling me on TikTok, Jess. I'll say when we do these TikTok segments, <laughs> they're like, I am missing so much out there on TikTok. <laughs> I would have liked if someone did it. They're, all the covers this week, by the way, are just like everyone just with acoustic guitar. And I've got I've handpicked a couple specific ones that are very nice. But there's dozens, so we can't play them all. And a lot of them are the same. I really wanted to hear someone kind of like take this song, maybe even do like a guitar cover where you add something on top. Maybe like 
get some piano and like what if this song had extra piano on top or what if this song had like chimes on top like if anyone's hearing this and has musical talent i really suggest make a boxing day cover where maybe you take the original actual track off the cd and add some extra instrument on top you know like what if blink 182 recorded don't stop believing like that guy <laughs> there you go so this is a tiktok that says i know i picked the wrong colors dot 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 uh and, and then it says deaf not a masterpiece they're hand painting like a box a cardboard box yeah they're hand painting a cardboard box deaf not a masterpiece but it's all right what? or i hashtag masterpiece <laughs> this might have something to do with their sp- specific it's TikTok boxing identity. day because they're they're painting a box i get it but i don't know why are they painting a box and are they like an artist tiktoker kara belladora Uh, nope, just looks like a child. Not, uh, okay. not just like Just arts a and crafts thing. for that just, week. Yep, yep. Creepy. I, they look entirely too young to be on TikTok. I don't know what the age is, but, uh, yeah. Uh, then we have a blog. <laughs> um, Almost Overnight by J. May. Christmas, it makes way for spring. This is from 10 years ago. It's really easy to be in low spirits each year when Christmas is over. It's the crash of all emotions when you wake up on December 26th and realize that it's all over again. Then try to give it a name, Boxing Day, to make the blow a little softer. But we all know what it really means. Christmas cheer is over. But the past couple years, I found this day to be exciting. It's almost a breath of relief that another year is coming to a close. The focus is finally off Christmas. Now it's time for reflecting back on the past year and remaining hopeful for the next. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do, even if it's terribly cliche. I don't think it's terribly cliche. I think it's a great idea. Uh... The lyrics of this song titled Boxing Day are wonderfully written. Yes, it is Reliant K. Yes, it's one of my guilty pleasures. And yes, I do believe they are pretty good songwriters. It encompasses exactly what I feel each Boxing Day. Uh, And then they post the lyrics. Uh, And then they say, uh, do not despair, but rather be glad. Live what you love. Oh, and then... And I don't know why this didn't come up when we did Seventeen Magazine. There's a Seventeen Magazine article about Reliant K. Oh, wow. (laughs) That mentions them from 2007. Tis the season for holiday music already (laughs) by Rachel Chang from November 4th, 2007. The jack-o'-lanterns have barely been taken away, yet it seems like every year the Christmas holidays come earlier. My favorite part, definitely the holiday music. I mean, even a good old holiday tune like Winter Wonderland, my personal fave, can put the Grinch in your life in the right mood. And every year I love hearing new renditions of holiday classics by new artists. Probably one of the best to come along in years just so happens to be from one of my favorite bands, Reliant K. I don't think they're capable of writing a bad song. When I heard they were putting on a holiday album called Let It Snow, Baby, Let It Rain, Dear, I figured they would all be new songs with a holiday twist. Boy, was I surprised when I popped the CD in and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas came on in such a traditional interpretation that I had to double check I wasn't listening to my mom's Perry Como CD. I mean, I don't know that I'd go that far. (laughs) Who knew the guys were so diverse? 
and that you'd have a Reliant K song to jam along to around the Christmas tree with your family. But the other tracks definitely add more of that Reliant K voice you know. In Good King Wenceslas, they burst out laughing midway through. And you will too. And they use Old Lang Syne to send a special message to their fans. By far, though, my favorite is their rock rendition of 12 Days of Christmas. It's the lyrics, you know, but halfway through, they add a verse. What's a partridge? What's a pear tree? I don't know. So please don't ask me. I bet those are terrible gifts to get. How can you not love that? And never to disappoint, there are six original Reliant K holiday songs, including one on Boxing Day. Gotta love the original songs. Among my all-time favorites are Britney Spears' All I Want for Christmas, Santa Can You Hear Me, NSYNC's Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, although I pretty much love that whole album, Home for the Holidays, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, Simple Plans, My Christmas List, and Backstreet Boys' Christmas Time. I think Rachel might just be the exact same age as me. Uh, (laughs) What are your favorite Christmas songs? Are you more of a traditionalist or do you enjoy the original holiday music? If so, what are your faves? Let me know. Can't wait to hear from you. Rachel, entertainment editor. Well, it's your job to find these things, Jessica, and now we have to delete our Seventeen magazine episode. Oh, man, we have to redo it. <laughs> so uh, there's, like I said, there's dozens and dozens of covers, and they're all very, very nice, and everyone does a great job with it, but they're all very similar. So, oh, but before we do that, here's one important thing. You can't talk about Relying K and Boxing Day without talking about the time that Dave and John Schneck boxed each other out in the parking lot. (laughs) So here is that video. This is from their video podcast. uh, And this one is uploaded. So this was podcast episode 14 when Relying K had this video podcast. And Relying K's... Dave and John duking it out, says I Fear Snowmen, who uploaded this. I'm sure I could find it in other locations, but I found I Fear Snowmen's upload. Here it is. Oh, this is part two of two, so we missed part one. Let's get to the actual boxing in part two. There is some tension from time to time between John and I. Dude, is that my toothbrush? It's pretty amazing that that now we can just kind of have our boxing stuff, and at any given time when it's like you know there's a little bit of tension. What They're was sitting that? on the bus just looking at each other in their boxing gear, and yeah. Dave's holding a toothbrush. I, and they're pretending that they're arguing over their toothbrush. I do remember I've seen the first part where they go we, shopping. We covered this. Yeah, we covered part one in a previous episode somewhere where they go shopping for where the, boxing the cell phones gear. in Buffalo roam. No, that couldn't have been. Oh, yeah. did they do a boxing thing on cell phones yes, at Buffalo this Room is, as well? Yes, I think just taken out of that. No, no, because no, oh, John wait, wasn't John in wasn't the band. There. What are you talking wait, when about? Did we see this. I'm sorry. Apologies. <laughs> I'm so confused. I know there's time travel in this episode, but it can't work that way. <laughs> no, I don't know. I think we saw part one in a random episode oh, in our okay. past at some point. Okay, maybe there's also boxing stuff. In the original where the cell phone and Buffalo roam, which was their web series Maybe. for two lefts. But 
I know that in part one of this I series... I swear I've seen this. Yeah, in part one, they go shopping at a boxing sports store to get the gear to do this whole bit. And I don't think we actually saw the proper boxing. So this is closing that chapter of the podcast. Whenever we watched part one, here we go. We're going to watch part two. Seriously, Dave. Do you want to go outside? I hate this music choice, though, where they're just replaying this same five-second clip underneath. Let's get rid of this tension. So they didn't have an instrumental of any Reliant K song. There we go. Dave and John, Don, Don and John, John, Dave and Don take it on the chin. So Hoops is going to be the ref. Similar weight class. I think Dave may have more than a few pounds. So Dave... Dave's going to win because I stole John's headgear. And Tyson's going to be the ringleader. Really see what happens. And uh, see how the boxing gloves really help our relationship. So they're just... We it's just... Gear, and we're going to... Uh, we're going to let it all build up. and then we're Let it all out. To coin a phrase. So they're... Maybe it's when we did this song. Oh, that could be... So there now they're go. actually bark- uh, boxing. Yep. In a cold. They're going for like headshots too. Yeah. Is that how boxing works? I don't really watch boxing, but. I know it's like a point-based system on how many hits you get on the body, and then obviously a knockout is like a thing that might not necessarily happen, but helps you win. I think refing boxing is really hard because you got to really be paying attention to all the blows. Whoa! Oh, dang! Whoa! So Dave really Whoa. punched, really swung for John's head, and he John him went in the to the ear, ground. and he did go down. Oof. And John got up and said, "Wow, boxing! What an odd sport! Let's yeah. just hit each other in the head." That's I mean, terrible. early boxing was done without even like oh, protection; it was just bare fists. To the body, and by the body, I mean skin your shirt. And I got about six really good ones, either to the side of the head or right to the face. And uh, at one point, I thought my nose was going to start bleeding. That's kind of how I felt, so. I had a good time, though. I love how five-score-ish Tyson looks in this. He looks like he stepped right off the set. Of, yeah, he does. Uh, must have done something right. Maybe he did. Yeah. <laughs> For our relationship. I was a little bit um, caught off guard at how much it actually still hurts, even with headgear. So, I'm feeling some tension right now. Like tension? Like, like maybe we need Sexual to- tension? <laughs> And thus, Schneck and Dave Douglas fan fictions oh, all around no. the world were born. <laughs> so they're just kind of talking. And, also, and if you write those, riffing. please be sure to send them into uh, sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com yeah. <laughs> so we can read them live on the pod. So there was that. There was that time. And that's why Dave left the band. Because John got revenge and he... <laughs> <laughs> He tied him down one night. Oh, and goodness. Beat him. He, he beat him with a rolled with a sock full of rolled up quarters. Oh, I thought maybe he tied him up and beat him with the uh, with the burnt out Christmas lights you bought from Beauregard. No, <laughs> I couldn't think of a riff. I couldn't think of a joke or anything to yes and you on that. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> So I found a fun stop motion video someone made and a not so fun like stage <laughs> pantomime play that someone did at a church. 
like acting out the song on stage for church one day. Uh, we don't have to watch that. Instead, let's just go to covers, and we got I got just three that I picked out out of the dozens. And here is Zeke Power, friend of the pod, Zeke Power, from seven years ago, uh, Christmas 2013, two days after, uh, one, day, one day after Boxing Day, December 27th. And if he's in Australia, then it was probably December 28th as well. So here's Zeke Power's cover of Boxing Day by Reliant K. <laughs> Rather than glad we had a good year. Now let's have another remembering all the good times that we had. Oh, no more lights glistening, no more carols to sing. Christmas, it makes way for spring. So it's super nice. It's really nice. Z Power always brings it. (laughs) I had to go right to my favorite part of the song and hear how he covered that. So it's great. Let me just hear a little bit of uh, at 2.31. I'm going to press play. great i didn't even think about the whistling part that's not a page of the lion influence the whistling at the end i don't don't know what specifically that may have come from but i can't think of any whistling that ends a uh page of the lion song so another friend of the pod john savage also has a cover of this song nice so let's check that out and this one is nice because there's dozens of single guitar acoustic guitar covers but here's one on piano by john savage and a bitter and weather as cold as the snow it falls from above but just for one day we all came together we showed the whole world that we know If, if Tyson had maybe done this as a piano song, it could have been on the radio. Hmm. <laughs> I'm hearing John Super Savage's lovely. cover, and I'm just thinking, it just kind of reminds me of Christmas songs that we know of on the radio. Yeah. Or sure. like New Year's songs that are known to play on the radio. And I'm like, the, the acoustic version is very, very nice. 
But something about hearing it on piano just makes it even more palatable to mm-hmm. me personally. So I would really, really love to hear a version where Tyson sings over a piano version of this song. And I feel like that that would, could be much more, much brighter. Just mm-hmm. kind of a brighter sure, feeling. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm not sure what John does here for the whistles, so let's hear that. Nothing that I can tell. <laughs> so there's one more cover that Very I wanted beautiful. to play. Yes. And this is Soda Spill 66. Sick. And this is one of the few acoustic covers that really kind of like changed up the cadence and the timing and the phrasing a little bit in an interesting way. And I don't know if that was on purpose or that was just uh, Soda Spill Oh, soda, uh, soda Spill. Just called Soda Spill. And I accidentally copy-pasted that they have 66 subscribers to their as if that was part gotcha. of their username. So I don't know if this was on purpose, if they just did their best to remember the song, or if this is their personal style. But I just found this to be interesting. And this is only a two-minute version of the song. I like that. It makes it peppy. <laughs> yeah, it does. It peps it up a little it bit. Makes it a little funkier, even. <laughs> so that's great. So Jessica, yes. What do you think of the song "Boxing Day" by Reliant K? Oh, I for sure like it more because, like we said, it used to be a skip song, and now I definitely will not be <laughs> skipping it. I you can listen to it all year long. I'll probably still skip it during <laughs> during early December. Well, sure. But no, it's definitely not a skip, and I definitely like it more. I'm really given it the time of day, really listened and dug into it. I like it a lot more. So uh, we'll go to our break. And when we get back, we'll be back with our guest, Alex from the Zeitgeist Lab Pod. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. We hope the season meets you with love and comfort. And ask that if you're enjoying Sadie Hawkins Pod, please show love and comfort to us by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. We also want to remind you to call your family if you can't be with them this season and to call and interact with our show at our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE. After you write your letter to Santa, you can send an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and visit our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at sadiehawkinspod. Once you and all the shoppers rush home with your treasures, curl up by the Yule Log and visit sadiehawkinspod.com for the link to our merch store for shirts, mugs, and stickers. We also want to wish a very Merry Christmas to our patrons at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod. There's Joshua A., Timothy, Daniel, Josh M., J.R., Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Samantha, Jimmy E. Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, and Brady. 
You can sign up to our Patreon for bonus episodes, which include us reviewing the songs from K is for Karaoke and our read-through of the Complex Infrastructure book. Join the War on Christmas with Sadie Hawkins Pod. Oh, wait, what? That's how it works, right? Uh... What's up, listeners of Sadie Hawkins Pod? I hope you're having a blessed day and enjoying the hot takes from Danny and Jessica. Uh, Brian, do you mind if I say something? Go ahead, for you are a valiant man and bring good news. Thanks, man. Hey, I just wanted to remind everyone of my favorite scripture, Fentuzler 316. For the Zeitgeist Lab Pods so love their fellow man that they proselytize their only begotten opinions about community and drive through records into the world. A very blessed scripture. Of course. And everyone listening to the Sadie Hawkins Pod can check out the Zeitgeist Lab Collections Pod first two seasons wherever fine podcasts are found. That's right, and we'll be back with Collection 3 soon. Again, that's Zeitgeist Lab Collections Podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else fine podcasts are found. So we're joined now by PolySci Alex, is how I know him, I guess just Alex. I guess I've never called you anything but just Alex. Is Alex. Fine, okay, yeah. so we're joined by Alex <laughs> from the Zeitgeist Labs <laughs> pod. And uh, if you're on Patreon, if you're on our Patreon, you know him from our uh, uh, Jack's Mannequin. Jack's Mannequin episode. I wanted to say like, I don't know what I wanted to say. I had like so many names, <laughs> so many sort of like bland names were like shifting around in my head. <laughs> Great. Because <laughs> I, I didn't, I don't know, Jack's Mannequin is just kind of hitting me now is like, it's if you don't listen to it regularly, that's the name that kind of can go over your head. Like Reliant K, honestly. Like you're like, what does Reliant K mean? What does Jack's Mannequin mean? What does any of it mean? What does, what does the season of Christmas mean? And what does it mean now that it's over? And we're here talking about Boxing Day. And I'm sure a lot of people ask, what is Boxing mm-hmm. Day? Because we don't celebrate it in America, as I'm sure we already talked about. But uh, this was re- this is being recorded first and everything. And I'm sure we already said that. <laughs> That's the magic of a time-altered <laughs> podcast, is I'm sure we already said this is recorded Absolutely. first. But yeah, so we're joined by Alex. Uh, you had been t- telling us for a while that this was a song that you absolutely wanted to be on the episode for. I remember last year you were asking for covers of the Blink-182 song Boxing Day. And then you were like, right. for, uh, for a comp you were putting together. But then you also said you would accept Reliant K covers. I don't think anyone, we tried to help boost that, but I don't think anyone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> responded for that. Nice. So, yeah, nice to have you here. Um, oh, good to be here. Yeah. So uh, how's it going? How's your Christmas? How's Christmas for you now that it's over? <laughs> now that Christmas is over, it's I mean it's awful if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Are you have you already boxed everything up now that it's boxing day? Yeah, I mean that's what I do on boxing day is I box everything up. No, but I mean, like in all seriousness, not usually the day after Christmas, but usually like the week after Christmas when we're taking down all our stuff. I just listen to this song on repeat while we're doing it. Like this one and Blink One A two Boxing Day song, because it's just a sad time. I hate taking down decorations for multitudes of reasons. So I'm like, well, let's listen to sad music while I do it to make the mood even worse. <laughs> well, it's still fitting for me. I find all Christmas music pretty sad. I find like 75% <laughs> right. of Christmas songs to be sad. And we talk about it every year. And once in a you know, we'll talk about different right. song that Reliant K has done. And I'm like, okay, on the sadness level, 
12 Days of Christmas is a zero. Like, I don't get sad listening to 12 Days of Christmas. But now I have to kind of remind myself what other Christmas songs I just find incredibly depressing. <laughs> so Sleigh Ride, out of a out of 10 uh, of sadness, I would say Sleigh Ride is maybe a, a five. It's kind of what? right down the middle. It's happy, but it's also so- kind of like... <laughs> But why sadness? So I've been listening back to your like your older <laughs> episodes about the Christmas things. You say they make you feel cold, but now you're yeah. saying they make you feel sad okay, as well. well like, wist, wistful, wistful. I guess there's like a, I guess there's a, it's kind of like a wistfulness, which is wistfulness okay. is like sadness mixed with nostalgia mixed with it. Actually, I don't know the dictionary def- definition of wistfulness, but that's, that's what it means to me. <laughs> that's just okay. like how so you're emo just kind of defining the word. <laughs> yeah. But just how like emo means multiple different things to different people. Wistful to me means like nostalgic combined with a little sadness. So that's how Christmas music makes me feel. I just kind of, I boiled it all down to sadness right now, but well, that's nice that you're listening okay. to our episodes. You have been catching me up on some of, I knew you were listening to some of them. You were catching us up mm-hmm. with your son and his reaction to some of the Reliant K Christmas songs, like 12 days of Christmas. Like you had to let him know the 12 days of Christmas. Well, I don't know if you were joking, but you had to let him know the 12 days of Christmas come after Christmas no, and, I told him uh, that today because he was digging through our cabinet and he found this 12 Days of Christmas Pez dispenser set that my mother-in-law got him. And I was like, look, it's actually for after Christmas. And he started crying. It was, like, it was a whole thing. And my wife's like, just let him have it now. And I was like, okay, fine. But technically, this is not the 12 Days of Christmas. And, then and I, guess, I didn't know that until earlier this week when I listened to your episode about it. So Yeah, we didn't, know that until, we didn't know that until we did that song. It's, I mean, it, it's interesting that the 12 Days of Christmas kind of extends christmas in a way right like yeah you have boxing day the day after christmas in certain cultures but then you have the 12 days of christmas so it's like chris well christmas just got started and now we keep it going for 12 days so i wonder take that hanukkah yeah (laughs) right exactly (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like dig into how i'm sure we already did i'm sure we already (laughs) dug into how boxing day as the sad day after christmas conflicts with the 12 days of christmas where you just extend christmas almost two weeks so wait is boxing day the first day of christmas or the second day of christmas like is christmas the first day in the 12 days thing or does it start after i don't remember now i think christmas was the first day of christmas i believe it okay was. yeah, yeah. this will be interesting these are good notes for us to look into when we do the episode that everybody already heard Right. So they get to hear us be confused about it now, <laughs> which we may have already found those answers. Yeah, so Boxing Day, uh, the song, we never really listened to it. So it's funny that like we're the Reliant K podcast and you, as far as I know, have I don't know how much of a fan at all you've ever been of Reliant K, but for some reason this was always mm-hmm. a skip for us because the extra slow, the extra sad and slow songs were extra skips for me. And then slow music in general is usually a skip for Jessica, unless it's got a little pep. Like Sleigh Ride is is tempo-wise a slow song, but it's still like a peppy song. So anything kind of low energy, low energy, I guess is the phrase. Jessica typically skips that. And we're talking about across all music, any artist she likes. And, And again, like also Jessica's really into Pink Floyd now. And I would describe a lot of their music as low tempo, but it's still got like a, it's still got, like a, a a beat a beat to it that's up despite being low tempo so sure. it's funny that you enjoy this song and we just completely <laughs> have to actually dig into it 
for the first time when we did this episode. Dude, right. Can- I mean, I will say still that it is, it's probably the weak point of the album, but I, I still thoroughly enjoy the song, but it, it probably is the worst one on the album, in my opinion. How do you, how do you, what do you think of that, Jess? I mean, there is another song on this album, uh, Always Winter, Never Christmas, that is technically not, I don't know if you heard us talk about that song yet, but it's technically not like a Christmas song in the Reliant K canon. It's 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 act- always winter, but never it's Christmas. always winter, but never Christmas. It was actually a tie-in for the Chronicles of Narnia mo- movie, which happens to have that theme oh, okay. of how you know the witch comes to Narnia and curses it with endless winter, and they recorded this song yeah. hoping to get it on the soundtrack. It didn't work out, so they put it on an EP at the time. And then because it references Christmas, okay. it got thrown onto the Christmas album. So in some ways, like, <laughs> sure. But I think everyone really loves that song. Like even a lot of people don't I think even. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I was just, I was just seeing how it stacks, how you saying this is a weak point on the album stacks up to a song that literally wasn't intended as an actual Christmas song, but kind of got shifted to that role just by being put on this album. So that's interesting. Um, so what other, so what thoughts do you have overall for this? And we'll get into also like the Blink song and everything, but what are your thoughts on this song overall musically and lyrically and, uh, the fact that it's, you know, a a single, it doesn't happen a lot for Reliant K. I'm not sure it it has, I'm not sure it has happened at all where it's one guitar and just Easton singing, like no other backing band, like even other similar sort of songs at least have like maybe a little drum or something like that. But this might be right. one of the only pure solo guitar Reliant K songs. So I'm interested to hear all your thoughts musically and lyric wise in that context. Well, and as you as you know, I'm not super familiar with this band. So is it is he also playing the guitar? Is it just him or would someone else be playing the guitar? Uh, there's one do, other. Do you know that? It's probably him. Yeah, I would assume that it's him. Okay. And he's a multi-instrumentalist. Actually, almost everyone in Reliant K is an actual multi-instrumentalist. And at this this point in the band, there were three guitarists on stage, but three for the point of he could switch to the keyboards and they could still have two guitars on stage. So, and, you know, as whatever song would actually require three active guitars you have Matt Hoops, who is basically like, when you boil Reliant K down, it's really the most important two members are Tyson and Hoops. They're both named Matt. Right. So typically just call them by their last names. And uh, yeah, Hoops is like, the, he's like the lead guitarist. Like he's way into, he, he has a pedal company now and he does all kinds of, he's always one kind of driving like different uh, effects and sort of lead guitar bravado on the album. Tyson uh, was definitely more of a rhythm guitarist when the band started because you can watch footage from like 2000 and he's not even playing with a pick because he's just kind of strumming. <laughs> he's just kind of strumming with okay. his thumb to whatever's going on. And I, I it, it, it seems like, you know, he got better as time went on, but he was really playing the minimal amount at the beginning of the history of the band. So Hoops is really the lead guitar. Said all that to say, it's either Hoops or Tyson playing guitar, but I would imagine it's just Tyson. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, I guess I'll speak lyrically first. This song always kind of pissed me off because I hate the lyric, 
Christmas, it makes way for spring because it makes me wish that it was actually spring. So here in Utah, we have like all four seasons. I'm like, where you're at. So Christmas actually makes way for more winter. Like to me, the most depressing part of the year. So I get mad. He's like, Christmas makes way for spring because it doesn't. Like for me, it's just like three more months of God awful winter. Right. <laughs> so that's like the first thought I always have when I listen to this is like, I get mad that he says that because that's not, that's not true. Mm-hmm. But musically, I think it's it's a really interesting song. I was actually playing around with it on the guitar last night and today, and it's, there's not a lot of chords like at the at the verses. Okay. If I'm to believe everything I've found online, it's just um, a G and then a C two chord, which is not a chord that I hear too often. But like it's just kind of repeats that throughout the verse. But the chorus I think has like really cool like a really cool chord progression um, going from like a, I mean, it starts with a C again, but then you go to like an E minor seven and then an A suspended and then an A major, I believe, which I think makes for like a really interesting chord progression as you're kind of moving through the, um, the lyrics as well. But he doesn't necessarily hit all those chords. It's a lot of, I believe like finger picking or single note picking rather than the chords. So it's possible that whoever went through and kind of figured all these chords just kind of listened to the like the notes that kind of hit the melody and figured out the chords, which is fine. But I think it's a really interesting song at the chorus from like a chord progression standpoint. I I'm like a sucker for a, an interesting chord progression, and I think this song kind of fits the bill on that, at least to me. Okay. One theory I have about this song is that I think it might be strongly influenced musically by Pedro the Lion. I don't know if you've listened to them at okay. all or him or it depends. Not on... much, no. Okay. So I know, well, I don't know this actually, but there's another song that is probably the closest thing to a solo acoustic guitar elsewhere in Reliant K's discography. And it's the song Jefferson Airplane. And it's also sort okay. of melodically a little different from a typical Reliant K song. And it was always my belief that I know, well, we know for a fact that he's influenced by David Bazan and he's always had, he's like super influential in both like emo music and indie music. And then he's got ties to Christianity. Although it's like, he's like one of the cool guys that like is not like super strictly Christian. And I don't think he is at all anymore. So he's kind of, he, he can kind of like easily float between all those worlds and all those influences. So when I right. hear this song, I definitely hear a lot of like this early page of the lion sound, which I, I believe was always kind of like very simple chords with, but with interesting structures and interesting um, chord progressions. And like a lot of times in a lot of his early music uh, that was on tooth and nail before he got on kind of more like respectable labels later on. Like it's not the tooth and nail is respectable, <laughs> but people still see it as the Christian punk label. Sure. Yeah. He always played chords kind of like short, like real kind of like, and I don't know if that's the technical term, but just like strum, the strumming pattern was very quick and kind of short, okay. but still kind of rang out in a, in a, in a very unique way. So I think that this is inspired by page of the lion. Okay. And that other song, Jefferson Airplane, I really think is inspired by Page of the Lion. And then I have like firsthand information that 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 the Jefferson Airplane song was originally a Matt Thiessen and the Earthquakes project song, which was his like solo project that he had 
forever and he didn't actually put on an album until 2017 but he always kind of had this other section of songs that were intended for this other project that wasn't Reliant K that never like surfaced for decades so that's kind of my theory is that maybe Boxing Day was kind of intended or could have been written at least with the idea that this is for his other more solo project so that might explain how it's kind of different maybe melodically from other Reliant K songs yeah, I've never really listened to Pedro the Lion other than there he has a Christmas song that I listen to every year, but that's like the only Pedro the Lion song I've ever heard. Well, there you go. I had no and, idea. What song is that an original song? No, it's just a cover of the, the Christmas song, I think it's called like the Chestnuts Roasting on Open Fire song. Oh, okay. that, I think that's just called the Christmas song. Yeah, it is. So you oh this and yeah, for lyrics, I um it's interesting. It is it is kind of a skip to be like Christmas gets ways to spring. Because even like right. he's from Ohio. And I think in 2007. It stays cold and depressing there oh, for yeah. many months after. Yeah. And I think in 2007. Like uh, the 10 months out of the year, it's depressing and cold yeah. in Ohio. So. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, 12 months out of the year, it's depressing in Ohio. But <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I don't think anywhere that do- that has four seasons. And he's. I'm, I'm also thinking that I don't think he's majorly lived anywhere that doesn't have four seasons. Because his two main hometowns as far as like is kind of known publicly is nashville and ohio so those are both four season towns like it gets very cold in tennessee it's not like in it's it's not like it's not like florida or something it's it's it gets cold there so i don't know why i guess it's just like an extra snow in tennessee yeah maybe but i guess it's just an extra hopeful lyric to say christmas gives way to spring (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's definitely like it's kind of weird because it definitely has a, a melancholy feel to it, but I believe it's still in a major key, which is interesting that it can still feel so sad because typically like a major key is like more of a uplifting or happy type feel. But the lyrics, I think, like you said, kind of point towards hope. Like, obviously, it talks about being you know depressed or sad that Christmas is over, but it kind of just doubles down on this you know, be glad because it was a good year. We're going to have another. Let's just think about the good times we had. And then just the second verse getting into, well, yeah, the hearts of men are bitter and weathered. But for one day, we all came together. And so we should just feel great about that, I suppose. Right. Just a pretty classic Lion K sort of staple feeling is giving you a little melancholy, but definitely mixing some hope in there. Yeah, across mm-hmm. their whole discography, as we've gotten into different songs, we found that like even the most depressing, to coin a phrase, emo song <laughs> still has like a uh-huh. hope. It still has like a hope thing in it. Like there's no like though he he say, he writes a lot of songs, a lot of songs. This is what we figured out is the the main theme of Reliant K overall is basically like screwing up, and like in two ways, okay. like it personally, like. It, with with god but you know which is a lot of there's a lot most christian punk the main theme is and this is not really the case for relying k that much but most christian punk overall like bands on tooth and nail and stuff one of the main themes is like god why do you love me i'm such a fuck up i'm i'm so sinful right that's this common (laughs) theme right right (laughs) what's more what is more punk than sinning but for, that's like the uh, that's like the majority of Christian punk from like the 90s up to a point and w- where I lost track of like, ag- you know, new Christian punk. But that's a very common 
thread for like Christian skate punk and ska bands and stuff. But Reliant K took that very similar sentiment, but like kind of put it in a slightly more actionable, uh, hopeful framework of like, I have relationships with friends and family and girls like every song uh-huh. we figure we every song we can kind of figure out who he's talk who he's talking about if he's talking about friends or relationship or romantic relationship and he's like I messed it up somewhere like I totally screwed it up uh, and sometimes the idea of God's not happy with me because I messed this up that's not always in there but mm-hmm. then the the point is always like hope of fixing it. So that is like a really right. common thing with Reliant K to get the most, to get the most a depressing concept, but then still be like the point of this is where it's going to end, or the point of this is I can work to get out of this. So that kind of makes sense that in a Boxing Day song where he's thinking about Christmas is over and this sucks, he's still looking forward to new good things as opposed to just being like, where do I go from here? But with that whole like the whole kind of theory that you just posited if you put it over this like over the framework of boxing day is he saying that it's like society as a whole that's screwed up because obviously the second verse he's just kind of saying look we're bitter we're weathered um but it was this one day when we proved we can like we can do better than this and we showed the world that we all know how to love um, and I think maybe the hope is that we can get to a point where that's something that's more common than just on Christmas. I personally wouldn't believe that necessarily Christmas even does that for right. the world as a whole. But to, to me, if you look at it as like, oh, it's about screwing up, I would say, well, it's about society screwing up, but we have this one day. Right. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that might be a very apt description. Like this might be a macro we call it bad friend Tyson. <laughs> There's all these songs called okay. bad friend Tyson. So this might be a like an actual thing of like uh, the macro version of that, of like looking at the world and saying exactly what you just said. That like the world got to this place and can't we keep it there? Just like how he has a lot of songs of like I go long periods of time without messing up my friendships. Can't I keep it there? So then maybe the spring, it's it's more of like a, a metaphorical spring rather than like literal spring. Because as you've said, he's never really lived somewhere where just like the day after Christmas, it's spring. But if we take like the second person and say, okay, look, guys, we're bitter, we're weathered. We prove, though, that we can all come together, we can all love each other. And yeah, it's over. There's no more lights. There's no more singing. But it makes way for spring. And maybe it's like the the birth of a new better society where we're not such assholes to each other all the time yeah i think so i think that might be the idea yeah that and it sense. could also come from that like the whole story of like what is it world war two or one or something where oh, it's like right. all the soldiers stopped fighting for christmas and they all got along <laughs> just that one day right, yes like- of course <laughs> um yeah makes sense it's again, I'm sure we covered all okay, of this. Okay, so now I'm not as upset about the yeah. lyrics. <laughs> now that, now that the spring is like a metaphor to me. Right. Yeah, I think the spring's got to be a metaphor because he, they never lived in California. They were not a California, but they, I mean, they technically did live here, like when they were working on a certain record or two that was like recorded here, but they lived in like a hotel though. Yeah, like the way any band or artist or you know, talent of any kind might technically live in California for like two months or something, but he grew up 
and has all he grew up in Ohio and has spent most of his adult life in Tennessee. So that can't be the case. It can't be that he literally right. thinks that. Um, so right. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like we've I feel like we've covered the Reline K song pretty well. So um, tell us about the Blink song because I, I'm I'm mostly familiar with this. Like I certainly have listened to dogs eating dogs. You know, once in a while, it's probably the least listened to mm-hmm. Blink release I've uh, other than Buddha. I guess it's probably like the second least really listened to thing I've ever listened to. I've done like every every five or six years, I'm like I'm going to listen to Buddha from beginning to end just to make myself suffer, just to know I've done it. <laughs> But no, okay. See, that, all right. okay. So Buddha and Boxing Day are both like two of, in my opinion, their best releases. Like there are ones that are better. And you like Buddha? You uh, think it's better? Because I it's think like... Buddha is great. Yeah, oh, okay. I think Buddha is better than Cheshire Cat, and uh, yeah, and better than like any of the stuff uh, with Skiba. So yeah, I think that Buddha is phenomenal. So the fact that you're saying you've listened to it to suffer, that's what I think about Cheshire Cat. Like every few years I'm like, yeah, I suppose I should listen to this. Cause that's supposedly my favorite band. So let me suffer through this God awful album again. But yeah, I think Buddha is great. Okay. Just, I just want to put that out there if you're going to okay. insult it. So <laughs> I mean, isn't this your, isn't this one of your modus operandi? I hear this on your show. Zeitgeist Lab mm-hmm. Pod, which everyone should go listen to. Um, but I hear this on that, and then you've talked about how Collapsible Lung is like your favorite Reliant K record. And I, <laughs> it is, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I don't know the re- names of Kanye West releases, but I remember when you guys did an episode about Kanye West. Eight and Heartbreaks is my favorite one. Yeah, but I'm not, like, I don't know Kanye well enough to know that even that, like, yeah, that's a hot take or a bad take. It's just an <laughs> album I like. I don't know. Like, I haven't listened to most of his albums. But it just seems like, it, I mean, that's three cases right there of you preferring the, like, lesser regarded album. It, like, you would think it's on purpose, but in the case of the Kanye West one, you just said, like, it, it, you had no idea when you decided that was your favorite. Mm-hmm. And then, and then neighborhoods, you know, is one of your favorites as well. Like, let's put aside Buddha. Like, everyone can be like, okay, Buddha is like their teenage album, so whatever. But like, I know like neighborhoods is the least loved Blink One Eight Two album overall, but like the world at large. But I know that's one of your favorites, which I don't yeah. disagree with, because there was a point where actually neighborhoods was my favorite as well. Once I really dug into it, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's the best one. I think that. I don't, I'm sure there's lots of people who don't think it for like a valid reason, but people in our age group, like mid to late thirties that don't like it, it's because they have a nostalgia point about like either Dude Ranch or Enema of the State. So they just think that's the best. And like I've said before, yeah, like if I want to remember how great life was in high school or whatever, I'm sure I'll throw on Enema and, or take off your pants jacket or something. But like from a purely like a uh, musical and lyrical standpoint, I just think objectively neighborhoods is their best album. It's the, it shows the most maturity and then you get into, you know, California and nine and that's when they just try to be like, Oh yeah, look, we can still be young. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then I guess uh, dogs eating dogs. Is that like a, do you think of that as like an extension of neighborhoods in any way or is it just an, yeah, I think, I think it's what neighborhoods so I understand why neighborhoods suffered because it, it was just so disjointed, um, you know, because Mark refused to go to San Diego and Tom refused to come to LA. So it was like all email back and forth. I don't think it suffered that much for it, but uh, Dawsey and Dogs was actually the three of them in a studio together, putting it together 
And so I think that it's kind of what neighborhoods could have been if they had recorded it like they recorded everything in their career before their first hiatus. Gotcha. So I played, so Jessica had never even seen the cover of Dogs Eating Dogs. And I was in, we were in the car <laughs> running errands today. And I was like, well, uh-huh. you got to hear the Blink song at least a little bit. So you're just kind of familiar with it. And she's like, what is this cover? This is upsetting. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a great cover. Yeah. <laughs> she, it was kind of, a, I was just like, this, this looks like a teenage band did this. That's not signed to any sort of a label. It does have a very band camp yeah. style. I was like, uh, somebody yeah. had a friend who's a tattoo artist and said, hey, can you do our album cover? Oh, they and definitely they said, did. Yeah. Oh, that's, like that's literally what it is. Like, <laughs> it's well, one of, I think it's one of the guys that does Travis's tattoos, I think, did the cover. There you go. And then we played the song, and Jessica was really not impressed with the Foxy Day song. <laughs> she was like, this- "That doesn't surprise me." Yeah, <laughs> it was her first time ever hearing. No one is. I have not found anyone who is impressed with it. I'm the only person, as far as I know, I might be the only fan of this song. Um. So, what is it about this song, the Blink One Eighty Two Boxing Day song, that you like so much? So. I've been thinking about this and I've now determined, like, I just want to say that like definitively it is one of my five favorite Blink-182 songs, but I now longer, uh, sorry, I no longer know if that comes from a place of sincerity or just like doubling down (laughs) on the fact that I troll people. Like I can't remember if I ever genuinely thought this or not, but I think I've just convinced myself that it's an amazing song. But I think it is a good song. Like I don't think it deserves being like shit on or anything. I think it's rare to get like the vocal interplay bef- between Mark and Tom. Not that there's like a lot of interplay, but they both have like a lead vocal part on this, which I really enjoy. Right. Um, I often describe Mark. He has a he has a register that he sings in sometimes, where I say that his voice sounds like butter, which is that's like how I feel. He sings this song, and it. Um, I think it has like a, a cool rhythmic part. You don't hear like a lot of acoustic songs from Blink like this. You've got a few that are like just Tom and the guitar. Um, just trying to think of that bonus track from uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, the one with like the clarinet. Uh, I, I, but like just like any sort of acoustic song from Blink is rare. So I think like just the fact that it's unique and technically I, I view it as like a holiday song. Like I listen to it during the holidays. But I, I just think it's just, it's just, there's something about it that I can't pinpoint, but I've always really appreciated this song. I think it's the best one on the, on the EP. So I, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you, but like, yeah. I honestly don't know now if that's ever genuinely what I thought, or if I've just become <laughs> like, if I've really just embodied this character of being like, oh yeah, he's the contrarian. He likes to piss people off with his opinions. Right. So I, I don't know. Um. So, well, one question I have for you in regards to that then is, and I just connected something before I asked the question, is that I find it interesting that this is like a co-lead, one of the rare Blink co-lead songs where both <laughs> Tom and Mark have a part to sing. Right. Because to me, this is a very Tom mid-2010 song, especially when you listen to the To The Stars EP. Okay. The, those like tracks that so my question was going to be what you think of if you ever listen to the to the stars odds and ends tom DeLong solo ep because to me this boxing day song has a very very similar feel to the what's it called invisible parade i just had it up i can look the 
the invisible parade so this has a very like there's a period like with neighborhoods mm -hmm. where tom now like kind of totally left to his own devices but not trying to be you too like not, right. not like not saying i'm writing <laughs> angels and airwaves so uh -huh. like what does tom do when he's writing for himself or writing by himself what he thinks a new blink 182 song can be right and it becomes right. this weird like floaty almost modest mouse <laughs> like okay. thing to me but that's so when i hear this song boxing day even though it has mark singing on it as well i think to myself sometimes that this song boxing day is on his solo ep his demo okay. compilation because it has the same feeling as those tracks to me yeah well i can i mean i've only listened to this uh the two the stars ep a couple times because i it just wasn't for me but it definitely has some of to me it actually has some of that um like angels and airwaves type vibes where he says uh sad how far you ran i'll search this land up through the clouds then back here we could reignite like fireflies like an atom bomb at all hours that feels like it could have been uh lyrics from what was their second album my empire or even their the first one we don't have to whisper just this very is almost like some sort of post-apocalyptic world he envisions himself in um and there always seems to be like this idea of rejuvenation or recovery like we could reignite like fireflies i just feel like yeah i mean to me it hits all of the things that i think of when i think of um angels and airwaves but it's done in a concise manner it's it's like blink forces tom to be inside this box and he tries to break out as much as he can but mark and maybe travis kind of reel him back in and i think maybe that's part of what appeals to me about it is like it has some of that um like really floaty and kind of um, ethereal type feelings of Angels and Airwaves, which could be good, but it's not, you know, 13 minutes long or something like that. Right. Okay. And, and how do you, does this, does this song actually give you a Christmas feeling or like a post Christmas feeling? <laughs> like you said, you do consider it a Christmas season song. Like how Christmassy is it to you? Uh, I, I don't know. At this point, I can't separate it from just a song that I use to troll specific people online. I, I don't, like, uh, I definitely listen to it after Christmas when I'm taking down all the decorations. Um, but yeah, I just, I definitely think like something about the day after Christmas, a, to me, it's a really good metaphor because at least for me, it's almost like this feeling that you've described about Christmas music and you always feel cold and there's like some sort of wistfulness. I feel that, but specifically about the day after Christmas. Like I hate that Christmas is over because I hate the winter. I definitely think I suffer from like some sort of seasonal affective disorder, but that's kind of put aside for December because, you know, I'm hyped up about the holiday season, especially now that I have kids. It's like a super fun time of the year, but then Christmas is over. It's like, okay. Well, now it's just going to be 18 degrees outside and miserable and there's nothing to look forward to. So like the, the idea of being empty, like the day after Christmas is something that really resonates with me. Well, I think you need to focus on Martin Luther King day. I was just trying to think of what, what holidays happen in the middle of a uh, winter. And I guess yeah. there's Valentine's day who put Valentine's Presidents day in day. February like especially where it's cold in cold areas like what what because we got our love to keep us warm i guess oh. yeah <laughs> that works i guess that does work 
But I just think I yeah, I was just thinking like who is like, you know, li- or like, huddled up together like two birds of a feather would be. <laughs> <laughs> that could also be a Valentine's Day song is what it should be. All right. Well, I, f- I still feel a little puzzled, but I still feel like I feel like you helped us unlock a lot about the Relaying K song. What confuses okay. you, Dan? Well, no, I don't know. It's just very just like the song. It's very ethereal. The Blink song. Uh, there's something left to it that's confusing me, but I I, I think I'm good. I think I'll, I'll get it. I think I'll uh, just live with the mystery. Now, did you get the file that I sent over to yes. you like, right before? Okay. So I don't know if you have any way of playing this now or you can drop it in later, but maybe it'll make more sense. I like I wanted to work on this a lot more, but it sounds like you guys had a, a hectic weekend, as did I. It's like literally in the 10 minutes before we hopped on this call, I was throwing this together. So I just want to say like at the front, this I'm aware this is like a bad recording and a bad piece of work. But what I've done is I've, I've sung the Blink lyrics while playing the Reliant K song. So maybe that, like, I've kind of taken their lyrics and put it to the melody of the the Reliant K version. Okay, yeah, that was very interesting because I really took my brain a minute. I almost, <laughs> would, <laughs> I almost would have played this without saying exactly what it was, but that was very interesting because when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, this is a cover of, of uh, Alex did a cover of the Reliant K song, but then when they mentioned painkillers, I'm like, there's no painkillers. And, <laughs> right. and I don't know the lyrics to the Blink song well enough to know that what was happening at that exact moment. Sure. So I'm going to share the screen. Okay. So I can play this right now and it'll go into the recording. And Jessica only heard, Jessica only heard this a little bit over my phone in another room. So okay. we can have Jessica hear it right now. Okay. I'm here sorry is, in advance. Yeah, here is Alex's. Uh, Frankenstein cover of both right. versions of the song. Exactly. Let's get started. Finn and broken hearted. Got something I cannot hide. The worst painkiller. The only filler. The parted, departed. Best Blink One Eighty Two song I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> it's cool. really lovely, and it works really well with the with the Reliant K music. Yeah, when I it, so my brain did it did my brain did do that thing, like where you think 
that where you think like you're about to sip a root beer, but it's an iced tea, or you think you're about to sip a Dr. Pepper, but it's an orange soda or something. It's like <laughs> you're expecting this one thing, and then it takes your brain a second to be like, what just happened? So I heard right. this. And at first I thought, like, yeah, what what am I listening to? And then I got it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. I love it. That's so interesting. I, I've always had thoughts like that. Sometimes I try to sing like, but I, I don't, I don't really have a lot of musical talent. Like I have taken guitar lessons. I could pick up a guitar and play like, you know, five chords if I need, well, three chords, but I could play out of five chords <laughs> if I need to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I couldn't, like, I could never do those kind of make those kind of things come to fruition of like, it'd be funny if you sang the lyrics to this, but to that Millie. So that's really interesting <laughs> to hear. <laughs> So did you have any questions for us about Reliant K or anything? Is there anything, especially since your son now is learning about, is learning about Jesus through <laughs> Reliant K music? Right, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, questions about Reliant K. So I knew about Reliant K because one of my friends back in college was like, oh, hey, you should check this band out because they have a piano and you like Jack's Mannequin. And I was like, I listened to a couple of songs. I was like, this is fine, I guess, but it's not jack's mannequin so why would i keep listening to this so i didn't know they were a christian band until i met my wife she grew up um christian and so she was familiar with this band and so then like we would start listening and definitely some of the tracks i can hear oh yeah there's like a christian message in this but it's not necessarily always the case obviously so are they supposed to be marketed specifically just for christians is that where they came from or was that just they're a band that happens to be Christian, maybe more Christian than others. So you can pick up, like pick up on that a lot of the time. I think where it was that for their first three albums, they were definitively a Christian band. Okay. And maybe they had aspirations to cross over into a larger audience, like any sort of band could have that idea. But there was a period that we kind of call their youth group period. And maybe more specifically to sort of prove this point, if people don't agree with it, is that there was a point where they referred to their being a band as a mission, which was a common thing, which was a thing that would happen with a lot of bands. Like it wasn't enough to be a group of Christians who met in a church. I'm talking about overall for like Christian rock in at large, Mm -hmm. like it wasn't enough or like acceptable maybe socially within like your community or whatever wherever you whatever state or city you might have come from to be like well we're a group of kids and we like this type of rock music or we like this genre so we're gonna start a band with that and we're all christian and we met in church so we're not gonna swear and maybe we're gonna uh, write a few songs about our feelings on religion and our beliefs beliefs and stuff it wasn't enough to do that like to kind of properly be accepted to like Christian bookstores and to maybe socially, like I said, with like the community you come from personally, you also had to be a mission. Like you had to specifically be a band with the ultimate goal of us being out there on the road, playing shows will get people saved. Like people will learn about Christ from us being a band and that makes us a mission Just like any mission trip to a country where you proselytize and build churches and clean up neighborhoods and help with, you know, poverty or whatever. It's that was the idea. I don't think a lot of bands wanted to do that at the time. Like I think MXPX, they had, they'd never talk about this specifically. I think in a case of like a band like MXPX, like they came very specifically from the genuine, like we're going to be a punk band 
and we go to church. So we're going to sing about Christian lyrics, especially earlier songs. We're way more Christian, but mm-hmm. we're not youth leaders. We're not, we don't go to theology. We don't go to seminary. We're not theology majors. We right. just, and so, but like they had situations possibly that don't really get spoken of directly in their history where it's like, they might've had to re- lead a prayer, lead, lead a prayer thing or something. And Josiah talks about it on 155 once in a while, like bands that actually will like lead an altar call. Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about that concept of an altar call. Like, you know, like, okay, your, your, your show, your set is halfway through. And then you ask like, who wants to come down here and pledge their life to the Lord? Cause right. that specific thing didn't happen a lot, but it definitely happened in the construct of this is a church show or uh-huh. whatever. Like you brought your friends to this punk show at a church. Now, like, Bands like Reliant K or Five Iron Frenzy or Switchfoot or something like that, like National Acts, like they might not have a full blown altar call of like, we're going to put a stop to the show. And there's people in the front that are going to pray with you to help you lead you to the Lord. But they would specifically say, we're here today to push the message of the Lord to you or to give the message of the Lord to you. Push is the wrong verb as far as they would have seen it. So that was the Uh idea. And Reliant K kind of came up into that scene and that was a long explanation but to say that by the mm-hmm album i think they dropped that sort of construct or that pretense. yeah it seems like they dropped it completely by yeah then. by the time of mm-hmm, which was their first heavily piano based album so it's probably one of the albums your friend was thinking of when you when they recommended the, uh, relying k to you mm-hmm. Uh, we interviewed a member of the band who joined. So they st- they formed in 1998. They their first album was 2000, and mm-hmm was 2004. So we interviewed a member who joined in 2005. And I was kind of asking him uh, when he was on our episode, "When do you think Reliant K stopped kind of being a mission band?" And that episode, that question kind of threw him a little bit. And he was like, "Oh, you know, a lot of he gave me this." generally true answer that was like you know a lot of people think bands are ministry bands but they're not just because they're christian but i know for a fact reliant k said we're a ministry band with their first Mm -hmm. two and a half albums or so so by the time of 2004 2005 they were no longer a ministry band and by then they're focusing on let's be a band we still maybe lead by example to our faith and everything but the idea isn't we are out there touring just to have altar calls and get people saved yeah, and he had been touring with another band, I think, that was also touring in the same circles as Reliant K at the time. And that was probably in like 2003. So when around the time of their third album. Mm-hmm. So maybe when that was kind of coming out, they were kind of already moving away from that sort of thing. Right. And do you think that they moved away from that because their faith changed, their priorities changed, or just was an unsuccessful mission? Like It just wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> right. working. I don't think they changed. I think maybe it just became a little, I don't think it was ever necessary. Now I'm speaking personally on my, but especially having lived it and a very, very um, like low key version of it in Massachusetts, as I figured out, cause I've listened to more like, you know, podcasts that grew up uh, podcast hosts who grew up in the South or in like much more, uh, red states or much more conservative and they're you know much more religiously constrictive states and people who are now like re 
contextualizing that experience through a podcast where they talk about bands that they liked in, you know, Christian bookstores and youth groups and stuff back then. And I'm like, I was like, okay, I grew up in a similar sort of construct, but mine was much looser. Right. So, so I don't even have like the exact experience to a hundred percent speak on this, but I think what happened is if for a band like Reliant K is that it was just becoming, it, I, I, I'm hoping this is my opinion that by 2004, 2005, maybe like the Christian industry, the Christian music industry, plus like the churches overall, like the, the denominations realized like this is not the best use of their time as bands to mm-hmm. be ministering at the same time. Like maybe this wasn't a good idea. Maybe we shouldn't have pressured some of these bands to also be like theologian, like, you know, like youth leaders at the same right. time when all they really were, were musicians. Cause it mm-hmm. doesn't make it, cause it never made a lot of sense at all, even at the time, unless like, like the super tone, like one, one extreme example is the Supertones. like the lead okay. singer and a bunch of the main guys in the Supertones were literally actually, uh, you know, went to, went to school for that stuff. Like they really knew that stuff and they were a real mission band. Like they really did, like live and die by like we need to get people saved like flat out like they were a mission band like they studied their stuff they knew their stuff i'm sure if you went up and had a conversation with them they would give you all the answers in terms of that stuff but if you're just a punk band that gets signed to a christian record label and now you also have to have like prayer lead prayer you know on stage and have altar calls and lead people to christ and like possibly have answers of like you know, like possibly really dark answers of like, I had a sibling, you know, a, a little sibling who died or something. And then like, how do you answer a question like that? Did they go right. to hell? Are you telling me they went to hell and all these right. kind of things? And you're not prepared for those kind of answers. I think overall, and all these bands that came from church atmospheres started to like tour on warp tour, like those barriers were coming down. Like they just wanted to be bands and they're touring Mm. wider and they're getting on more specific tours and record labels and stuff. So those walls are coming down. So that barrier of I'm a Christian band isn't there anymore. And everyone's kind of admitting we don't, we shouldn't be a mission because it's not really appropriate. Jessica, look at you. Yeah. I was going to say in the, in the case of Reliant K, I think it's more like, you know, you have the band members. Tyson was born in, in 1980. So like they started this band as teens and then their first album comes out when they're like 20. And so you're still very young at that point. And so you're kind of, we're just coming up in, you know, if you started as sort of just like a youth group band, you're just continuing on that same trajectory. And then, you know, you get out there and you get a little bit more, you know, experience and worldwise. And I think that it's probably just that they generally started to move away from that direction. I don't think that there was anything, you know, they're still spiritual in, in their songs. All their albums are still pretty spiritual. So I think it's right. just that it was like not the main focus. And yeah, by, by like 2005 for mm-hmm, they were, they were touring with like simple plan and good Charlotte. So mm-hmm. you're not going to like, stop everything or have a message or anything at one of those shows when you're opening for for those bands. And one other important thing to know is like, they actually didn't know they were signing to a major label when it happened because it was all under the Columbia Sony umbrella and Uh the record, the Christian record label they were on was a subsidiary of Sony. Yeah. Sony capital, 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 but is capital owned by Sony? Uh, I think whatever. The Christian label they were on was under the same subsidiary as Capital, and then 
Capitol records was just like, I always take, I always get Columbia and Capitol mixed up all the time. And it doesn't help with the fact that they also had a relationship with Sony. I'm just, this is sidebarring now and Columbia pictures <laughs> and Sony. Are, so I think that's why it misfires my brain. Anyway, they were on a Christian record label. And like one day they found out that their contracts had just been moved to Columbia records because Universal they were all part of the EMI or their, uh, Okay. Is is Capital's parent company Universal? So like, so yeah, for sure there are Christian bands that we'll talk, we'll talk about and have talked about. Like, we got signed to a major, and whether they were still seeing themselves as a mission band or not, if they were seeing themselves as a mission band, they're like, well, this is the best thing possible for our mission or whatever. But then maybe some other bands were right. like, well, we're not a mission band anymore. Whichever, there were fans who were like, you guys sold out. Like, there's that same punk elitistness of like you're on a major label, but it, and now it's not just like, you're not true to your DIY roots. It's like, well, you're in line with Satan now, or you're in line, or you sold out your faith, even though that might I'm be right. furthest from the truth. <laughs> and I think in the Christian construct, it's probably even less fair. Cause if you're Green Day and you signed to a major label, it's like, yeah, that is, you did kind of, you know, you were part of a scene, even though, you know, whatever with the whole like uh, uh, Gilman street thing, I'm just saying like, you signed to a major label and you were part of this famous scene that was like, we'll never, you know, don't give, don't, don't sell out to majors. That's the specific thing. Nobody, the Bible doesn't say if you're an artist, don't sign to the major label. You know what I mean? That doesn't, if, it, if that should mean right. we're getting our message out there more, but for some reason there are plenty of people who were like, you've given up on your message because you're on a major label now. And in the case of Reliant K. Okay. In the case of Reliant K, like they didn't sign to a major label, they signed to a Christian label, and then one day their record gets reprinted with Capitol Records on it, something like that. Okay, yeah, if that makes any and sense. And was Reliant K? Did they come from a specific denomination, or is it just non-denominational Christianity? I don't really know a hundred percent. Although a couple sure. years, a year or two ago, there was this this like lie that they were Mormon. <laughs> And it was like a TikTok. Okay. It was like so some TikTok lady. She like she was a she was a uh, what's it was a, a she's a Ramona Flowers cosplayer. She dresses like Ramona Flowers okay. from Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> and then she gives you pop punk facts on on TikTok. And one day okay. she was like she she just posted a video of her relying K is secretly Mormon, and everyone was like what? <laughs> but plenty of people believed it. And what we kind of figured out from by digging into it and kind of asking around is in Ohio, the communities there and specifically where they grew up in, in uh, Canton. Canton were Quaker. Quaker. They were, okay. Qua they were a very, they were uh, Quaker communities around them. And even like, you know, the less stringent Quaker churches were still like Quaker influenced churches or something along those lines, or like people, who still, you know, didn't live as Quakers went to Quaker churches in that area. Okay. And I think that they actually grew up in a Quaker church and, gotcha. or at least they attended them in some way they were connected. Cause like, I, they've never made public any yeah. sort of uh, specific religious affiliations outside of sort of general Protestant. Right. And I like, and they, maybe they went to a Quaker related school or something like that. Like in my experience, I had multiple denominations and, and churches that were non-denominational and I bounced around as long as it was generally Protestant or something like that. So I'm guessing it's something along those lines. But like, I think that this lady on TikTok just was like, she heard they were Quaker and was like, Quaker, Mormon, Mormon, Quaker, same thing, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah, definitely the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, yeah. like, they're not. But like that 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 no. thing of like you just hear like a name, a word that you don't really know, and I, mean, I don't really Amish know. Amish would have been a little bit closer. Yeah, too. but like everyone kind, yeah. Right. Well, every, but everyone kind of knows Amish, and if you don't really know, yeah, what no, they, they is, use electric guitars, so clearly they couldn't be Amish. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> And I know that like a lot of Christian uh, record labels had to, they use as a baseline, like the Southern Baptist kind of like code of conduct because they were like, well, we got to sell it there. It's like, it's like that old Hollywood thing of does it sell in Peoria or something like that? Like the Christian record labels would always be watching like the most, like this, the most conservative, not necessarily politically, but I just mean like conservative uh, socially churches and denominations as like a baseline for what, you know, to expect to be able to sell and like only the biggest bands that if they wanted to push that envelope, would they be allowed to push that envelope? This mm-hmm. all gets talked about in like there's multiple tooth and nail podcasts and stuff. So that gets talked about here and there, but yeah, as far as Reliant K adhering or, or saying that they were any specific denomination, not that I'm aware of just kind of like a general Protestant Christian. Yeah. Gotcha. non-denominational like evangelical i guess is the thing is the term now but i've tweeted about it recently that like i feel like the word evangelical is like the word emo that it gets thrown around and it gets it's this connotation on so many things especially now because of like you know like hard right and and like trump stuff and evangelical churches behind like the worst p- political ideas and stuff that i just don't understand what the phrase evangelical means and you look it up on wikipedia and all it is all they explain is the root of like the belief of like you know you don't have to pray to mary you ask christ to forgive you and you're immediately saved and i'm like well that isn't that all non-catholic isn't that all protestant christianity (laughs) like i'm so confused so yeah evangelical and emo same thing right absolutely (laughs) Uh, well, thank you so much for being on then. And thanks for your cover. And I'll let everyone know uh, anything they can go to check out for your podcast or anything else you might want to lead them towards. Anything else you want to evangelize? Any altar? This is your time to give an altar call to you, Alex, and okay. whatever people can check out. <laughs> well, I, I would invite all of your listeners to come to the, the altar of the Zeitgeist Lab and uh, pay tithings into our Patreon for three dollars a month you can be saved uh, with our with our great <laughs> patreon content um but we have a regular podcast too it's free and so you should check that out because i'm a fan of it but i don't know um and then i guess the only other thing i want to mention this is like specifically just for you danny so feel free to cut this out if you want. But okay. i did do a little bit of research i found out that for those who are interested uh, all t-mobile stores will be open on boxing day okay <laughs> um, <laughs> I also found um, in England or the UK, I've lost the site here, but there is a, uh, a company that offers um, a package of helicopter rides from wherever to any sort of uh, oh, nice. event <laughs> on Boxing Day. It comes with champagne and like a, a helicopter ride right to the sporting event. I don't know what the price is, but if you're in the UK or if you just really like helicopters, that might be something worth checking out. I'm sure I don't know what you mean by any of that. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't think you did, but I think you're mixing me up with the other Daniel Leary, who also ho- happens to live in LA, that loves mm. helicopters and lo- and runs Blink One Fifty Five Do MH Four Eighteen Twenty Eleven. That could be. That's a different but guy. I, but, but your MXPX memes, though, right? I'm MXPX memes, 
and so there's another understand at least the T-Mobile part. Yeah, yeah, no, I got the T-Mobile part. Okay. T-Mobile Tuesdays. They've been letting me down for months though. <laughs> like when I first got T-Mobile <laughs> Tuesdays, there was great stuff for like three weeks in a row, and now it's just and now it's just Wendy's every three weeks, and then like some some social media app that you couldn't care less about. Like I don't need this, and then like another fifteen percent off Shutterfly. I'm like. Ah. <laughs> So they've been letting me down. When when I first told you about T-Mobile Tuesdays, I was I was actually like, "This is exciting! Every Tuesday, T-Mobile gives you free content, free free items, free 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 content, yeah, (laughs) right, free content. Here's your content. Here's your T-Mobile content. Now shut up." (laughs) Well, I appreciate everyone. Get out there. Check out the Zeitgeist Lab Pod and is it labs zeitgeist labs pod and if you're a t-mobile customer check out t-mobile tuesday because you're missing out you're leaving money on the table happy boxing day (laughs) absolutely agree